Hi, everyone, and welcome to This is Leadership, a podcast dedicated to bringing you insightful conversations with leaders that inspire us to be better and to go further. I'm your host, Joel McLean, and I am very excited to have you here with us today. Now, let's get to today's episode and get our leadership on. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of This is Leadership podcast, your intersection between growth and leadership. And on this gloomy, gloomy Saturday morning in North Bay, Ontario, Canada, and New York as well. Welcome, Mary, to the Mary Howard to the podcast. I'm so happy you are here. So let me tell you for the people listening a little bit about Mary. So Mary is a nationally board certified teacher and teaches sixth grade. ELA and science in Grand Island, New York. So Mary believes passionately in the potential that technology has for reaching and engaging all learners. In pursuit of this passion, she has published numerous educational technology articles and has provided webinars on virtual environments, virtual reality, 3D design, QR codes, and digital engagement strategies. She uh, Mary's accolades include recognition as the 2018 International Society for Technology and Education Virtual Pioneer of the Year. Wow. And three Silver Presidential Volunteer Service Awards. That is great. Congratulations, Mary. She was a New York State Teacher of the Year finalist for 2018 and 2020 as well and is a New York State Master Teacher. When Mary isn't elbows deep in her technology initiatives, she is a mother of three boys and devotes her free time to playing hockey, refereeing as well, youth hockey, and volunteering within the hockey community. She is an avid runner, Adirondack 46er, and recently cycled across New York State on the Erie Canal. Wow. Mary, I'm <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Really glad to be here. So we were chatting a little bit before uh, before the recording, and you're up in New York, so we're in the same time zone, and it seems like we're following the same pattern for weather as well. Oh, for sure, yep. So lots of rain forecasted uh, over in your end for a few days, and it's the same thing here. So we said, you know, we were talking last night, back and forth, talking through emails, and uh, you were absolutely right, you know, in gloomy weather, what better thing to do than to meet new people, have a, have a conversation, record a podcast with a good cup of coffee, on a Saturday morning. <laughs> there, there will be no hiking or biking or running today, more than likely, with no, the rain. No, not unless you like getting all wet, but we're going to avoid <laughs> that this morning and just have a really great conversation around, you know, technology, around uh, chatbots. I'm really looking forward to getting into that. You know, uh, Mary, we were talking before the recording and I was saying how, you know, those conversations are are starting, you know, in our board, uh, in particular with ChatGPT, of course, because that's the, you know, one of the first ones that came out that was popularized the most. So, you know, how we can leverage, you know, the power of artificial intelligence in classrooms. So I'm, I'm anxious to get into that with you so that I can actually bring some of that back to, to my teachers in my school board. So that'll be great. But before we get into it and your book, you're also a brand new author uh, of a book uh, through uh, published through X Factor. Yeah, you got it right in front of yes. you there for the people looking <laughs> on YouTube. That's awesome. We're going to be touching on that book because I think it's a great resource uh, for schools and teachers that are looking for information and ideas. But before we get into that, Mary, you know, I know I read some uh, information on your bio, but if, if you can tell us a little bit more about yourself uh, so that the people can get to know you, that'd be fantastic. 
Sure. Yes. Um, as you said, I am a sixth grade teacher. And if you're not familiar with Grand Island, my favorite way to describe Grand Island is it is a pork chop shaped island. Okay. Just, <laughs> just shy of Niagara Falls, New York. So uh, oh, that so is close. Okay. I am relatively close yeah. to you. Yeah. That's probably why our weather patterns are similar. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So um, I've taught sixth grade for my entire career, um, 20, 20 years. And um, love it. I love the students and I love teaching sixth grade. And I think what drew me the most to technology in general was the fact that you have to be a weirdo to teach weirdos because sixth graders, <laughs> they're crazy. They're wonderful. They're loving, but they're just it's a great crazy. It is. It's a great crazy. And so you have to do things that are engaging and dynamic to keep them to keep them listening and learning. And so that is what drew me to ed tech in the first place. And so I've just always been involved in ed tech, as you heard, you know, going mm. to conferences and sharing, but it all came from a place of, you know, I need to keep these kids listening and interested and engaged. And I've always felt like ed tech was a, a big part of that. I think that's great. You know, I'm always looking for different ways that we can provide engaging, um, you know, lessons and activities to students. They're human like us. When we th yeah. when we think about us and our work, you know, we like to do stuff and be involved in stuff that engages us as well. So you know, the the students aren't any different than that. Um, yeah. So okay. So we talked about how you played hockey, and yeah. I was telling you how we're also a hockey family, and I've talked about it many times in, on the podcast. Uh, and you've got like a similar path, and and your kids are done playing hockey now, and so are mine. Mine are older now, so my son's great. My son is at uh, twenty years old now. He's off in college, and my daughter's in grade twelve. She'll be graduating. So, empty nesters in September hey, here for us. Yeah, absolutely, nice. absolutely. Nice. But I did not know until I I read the bio that you you also referee. Wow. I do. So do <laughs> I know you play. So you play yeah. recreational hockey. I think that is really awesome. Is it like a co-ed team or is it just like a women's team or? It's all women and we're a really tight group and we travel all over New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and go to different tournaments. And a lot of times they're fundraisers. Um, just last weekend, we were really? at uh, Pucks for Paws, which was in Clifton Park, Saratoga area, okay. New York. You know, and the money we 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 play games. There's four games in a weekend, but the money for the tournament goes to good charities and good causes. So, wow. yeah, it's, it's a nice thing to do. It's and so, it's a great group of friends. Yeah, so not only for fun, but you're actually you know having an impact and and doing fundraisers. Wow, I, yeah. I think that's really awesome. And it's it's funny because you're actually the second person, the second woman on the podcast that I've interviewed that plays hockey. That's because awesome. When I did when I did the series on the book Disrupt the Status Quo. Uh, with the authors Daphne McMenemy, yeah. one of the she's a goaltender. She actually, she, yes, I didn't she, even know that, and I know yes. her. That is so funny. Yes, she <laughs> plays hockey, and she she'll post. She'll often post some pictures on, uh, especially on I think Facebook or Twitter, you know. Uh, and she's yeah. all like decked out in her goalie equipment. So that's she hysterical. she plays also. I think that's great. Now refereeing, refereeing youth hockey. So when you say youth hockey, so what age range are we looking at here? Usually that she'll ref. Um, well, I'm certified for level three, so I could do quite high levels, but I choose okay. not to. I really like to do the age group that I teach for the most part, because there's nothing funnier than coming to center ice, getting ready to drop the puck and looking up and see you know, one of your students spot you and they're like, Mrs. Howard, is oh that my you? God. You know, so yeah. usually I do, we call the, the levels Bantam or yep. Pee-wee, you know, so it's 13U, 12U, yep. you know, kind of right in that zone for the most part. 
I, th- I and and you're you, you hit where I wanted to go with that because I was hoping you were going to say it's the same age group as the kids that, that you teach yeah. because yeah I was going to say like that uh, the effect the effect that that must have it's like you know when 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 you're a teacher and you meet your students in the mall or in the shopping center or, or outside of school especially the younger ones right and they're all amazed like oh my god you <laughs> live outside of the school That's real life <laughs> like what yeah it's- but. So, so I'm, I'm curious to know, like the fact that you ref some of the games, like what kind of an impact or influence does that have on the relationships that you develop with your students knowing, you know, when they see you in that context and then you come back in the classroom. It's, it's terrific. You know, like, and even students that aren't my own that are in the building, you're like, oh, you're that ref. You know, they, there definitely is an instant connection. And a lot of it is role modeling, honestly, especially for girls. You know, I went to um, an all girls game not that long ago and, and literally there, you heard this cheer erupt on the bench. Cause it was like, it's a lady ref. It's a lady ref. Like they were so excited, you know, to kind of see, um, you know, females in the sport. So yeah. that was, that was a neat experience too. I mean, that's great. So the youth hockey that you do ref, is it, is it just girls hockey or is it a, a boys hockey well, as well? It's co-ed. It's, 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 co-ed. it's everything. It's everything. Yeah. I think that's great. And I would imagine that if ever, if ever you've got one of the, one of your students from your class when they're playing and they're not happy with one of your calls, <laughs> what, how do they react to that? Um, you know, they're pretty respectful about it, you know, cause there's, there, no one likes refs, you know, no ref calls a game ever. Everybody's critical of what you do, you know? So, you know, they're pretty good about it. I'll be like, Hey, how was, how was the game? You know, how'd yeah. I do? And well, you know, you, you know, that one call and they're all sheepish about it. So they're, they're funny about it. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. And, and at that age, especially right we're looking to even more, you know, to, to, to develop a relationship with them. Yes. You know, I've, my first three years of teaching were uh, were in grade seven and eight, and the first school that way back in two thousand six that I was principal of uh, for three years was actually a, a grade seven and eight school with about two hundred students. So it is, it is, uh, yeah, it it is a, a it's a great level to be teaching at. I loved it. I enjoyed my years as well. But that relationship piece where you need to, you try to find different ways to connect to them. It's that's when it starts to get a little bit more complex. I find that's, that's my opinion. Of course, it gets a little bit more complex than when they're younger, you know, in grade one, two, three, where you're getting the hugs and it's just unconditional, right? Unconditional love when they're a little smaller. But as we age, of course, human beings, you know, we develop our personalities and, and we start to discover the world and we start to get our own opinions, so when you get up to, you know, in those teen years, uh, it's it's a little bit more complex. So we always look for different ways to be able to connect with them. And if that can be, and if you can find stuff that's outside of school, that's even more powerful, I find. Uh, for you know, sure. To able to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's talk about tech because, and and we're going to get into your your book. We're going to, we're going to showcase that book. And for, you know, the people that are, will be interested in, in wanting to know how they can get their hands on your book, Mary, well, on my website, of course, I'll have uh, I'll have a page for you, and in that page, we'll have all the information. So, for the people listening, guys, you just need to get on down to inspireleadership.ca in the podcast section, and uh, we'll have all the show notes there and Mary's contacts as well, and uh, ways for you to buy the book. So, you know what? Let's start with that. So, your your book, which was published recently, I believe, eh, through uh, X Factor. So the book's called Artificial Intelligence to Streamline Your Teacher Life, the Chat GPT Guide for Educators. And very timely. So chatbots, the big, big, big buzz right now. Everybody's talking about it. 
I use it <laughs> and I yeah. love it. I am yeah. leveraging the heck out of chat GPT for the work that I do, uh, not only within, you know, my, my full-time job as, as a principal, as a systemic principal in my school board, but as well for my consulting business in, in leadership development. So, so Mary, you know, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about the book. Tell us how it, it, it came about, you know, how, how did it come about that you wanted to, to write this book and what are the reasons behind it? Sure. That, you know, if you're familiar with ChatGPT at all, you know that it hasn't been around that long. You know, it's not even been, I don't think it's quite six months old. Yeah. Um, for me, I discovered it back in December and in December, teachers are off. We have a little bit more time. Um, and I've always been an ed tech advocate, always love new and shiny things, you know, kind of been drawn to those ed tech things. Yeah. And I heard about this chat, you know, ChatGPT thing. So I started to play with it, started to dabble with it, just like probably you did. And realized, oh, wow, you know, what this could do for a teacher in their teacher life, you know, how this could elevate us and help us streamline our lives. So I started to play with it. And um, I think my first encounters with it were just asking, like most people do, we start to have a conversation with it. You know, yeah. it's a chatbot. You can, you can have a dialogue back and forth with it. And then I was like, well, let's test how smart it is. And that's when it started returning, you know, reading passages um, that were accurate related to my science content. And then reading passage turned into reading passage plus multiple choice questions and reading passage, multiple choice questions, answer key. And it kept growing and growing and growing. And that's when that moment arrived. Oh my goodness, this is a book. I absolutely, this is it. This is the thing I want to write the book about. And so then I plugged away at a book, outlined it, wrote about six or seven chapters. And that's when I reached out to X Factor and Code Breakers. And, and they were with me in terms of, yes, we've got something here. Let's let's get this thing published. And and they're great. You know, Matthew Joseph over at X Factor and Brian Asmal, of course, over at Code Breaker. Great, great group. I got to tell you, Mary, when I, when I discovered Chad GPT, um, it was my superintendent. Of education, we're in the same office area, and he came over and he says, "Hey, did have you heard about this?" I said, "No," and then he shows it to me, and my my reaction to it, I can't remember the last time it it was it was like this huge aha moment. I was like, "Oh, yeah," and I and and when I when I started using it, and I go, oh, I, "I my goodness, the the potential of this," and I can't remember the last time. Something like a, a piece of technology or something, you know, in, in, in education in particular, gave me that kind of reaction where yeah. I felt like I got to get out there. I got to I got to see how I can leverage this. I got to show this to the principals and we got to get on this because the potential is just unbelievable. So it, it created this really this buzz and this excitement because uh, of, of you know, the potential of it and how we could all leverage it as uh, a very powerful tool, not just in education, but everywhere. So, and I'm, and I'm a glass half full kind of guy. So of course, you know, I'll see, you know, all the positive potentials yes. because we all know that, you know, some people will be wary at first and they'll take more the approach of, you know, what are the risks and, and it's important to be able to talk about risk, but, but the, the potential and the leverage that, that I've been seeing and, you know, as it's being used in classrooms and teachers and the discussions we have, we're having with them, uh, it's just unbelievable. So I think that your book is really timely when it comes to, you know, chatbots and education. 
Well, you touched upon something that was definitely important to me as I was writing and that that's just it. I'm with you. I'm a glass half full. I see the potential yeah. of things. And, you know, as I said before, anything, you know, that we can use in the classroom. And as I was writing the book, it was very important to keep that lens focused on how can this assist the teacher? How can this assist the educator in the classroom, you know, from a productivity standpoint, from a utilization standpoint, I wasn't ready to go into, you know, the implications of student use and yeah. you know, how can we use it with students. I talk about it a little bit, but because it is new, you know, and because it is, you know, just out there, I think we need to pause and sort of look at how it can be used and spend more time evaluating that. So really the book is 100% written from leveraging what you can do as an educator to use it. And it gives so many, so many use case examples. Yeah. So, you know, if we're looking for, for, you know, ways and how we can leverage it, well, in the, the book's a great, great, great start, of course, and we'll link that up to the website for sure. Um, and I think it's the same thing, right? We, we, we took the same approach, so we're still discovering it and we're not, uh, we're not promoting it in our schools in terms of, you know, kids, our students actually signing up. Uh, we're not there yet, but, but we are in that exploration stage where, you know, how can we, the adults, um, you know, really get to know exactly what it is and mm -hmm. how we can use it and, and in which ways. And then, you know, and I and I know in your book, you talk about um, discovering also the risk as we go and, and because it does bring some some um, unexpected challenges. Right. You talk about that in your book, I think. So those are all things that I think that as educators, as educators, when we have a new a new tool like that that's presented to us, I think it's important for us to really dive in and see, well, how can it be leveraged? How can we use it as a powerful tool, you know, to help us develop <clears throat> engaging activities, you know, and, and all sorts, it, 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 the sky's the limit. You know, I can name so many things, but, it, you know, chat GPT, for example, or, you know, the chat boss, they can, they can do it most, most all of it. So the potential is just unbelievable. And I think what's going to be really important for us where we're at in our board are the conversations. Mm -hmm. So we started having the conversations around chat bots and chat GPT in particular, our teachers are starting to discover it. Uh, some of them are experiencing with it, uh, you know, fact checking as well, because we know that it's not always hundred percent accurate. You know, it, the information that it provides is dated up to a, a certain time, but uh, all in all, I think it's it's uh, information that that is mostly accurate, but you know they're aware of that. But we're just in that phase where we're we're looking at the potential of it, and you know how how can it help me as I don't know a grade twelve chemistry teacher, a grade four language teacher. You know how you know if I'm looking for a text for my students in you know in languages, and I'm looking for a text that's diversified and that has different elements, and I'm having a hard time finding one. Well, it might be interesting to you know log into your ChatGPT account and ask ChatGPT to actually compose a text with those yeah. you know with those elements inside of it. So those are actually things that our teachers are experimenting with, and they're just being blown away. They're being blown away with what what is being produced and the ideas, and so that's been a really really interesting uh, interesting um, um, an interesting how can I say it an an interesting uh, struggle. I think I'll say it like that: an interesting struggle. You know, is is that learning phase and to see how we can use it. Now, um, I know there's a big question around you know when you're using the information that's taken from chat GPT and is it actually plagiarism? You know, I'm, I'm sure you've come across that. So I'd be interested to know what, uh, Mary, what's your input uh, when it comes to that? 
I think there's a couple perspectives on it. Uh, you know, as, as you were describing the use of it, you know, the first thing that comes into my head every single time is adapt and modify or modify and adapt. You know, it's, it's like very that. rare. I, and I never actually have retrieved something from chat GPT and copied and pasted it anywhere. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. always adapted and modified. And that's because it's, it's still, when I read the material and when I read what it writes, it's still very robotic. It sounds like a robot writ, wrote it, you know, it doesn't yeah. sound like there's no human voice in there. And so um, there is that fear though with students, you know, I've seen many examples on uh, of students, not in my own classroom, but out there of students literally not even reading what it produced, copying it and pasting it right into, yeah. you know, their, their classwork. And even it says, you know, as, as a language model, I'm not like, they even copy that part in there. <laughs> like, yeah, you gotta read it. You know, so you know, a lot of people will say it's it's no different than the days where we had an encyclopedia and we opened up that encyclopedia and we used that information. You know, we we have to teach paraphrasing skills and we have to teach, you know, th those skills, citation skills to the students, just as we always have. But the temptation will be there. <laughs> How can it not be there? You know? Absolutely. Makes me think of, you know, the uh, back in the days when the. Uh calculator watch first came out and all the yeah. all the math teachers were a little bit worried oh, that during the test you know we'd be i'm doing this for people <laughs> on youtube they can see me but the ones that are listening can so we try to hide our little calculator uh, watch but i think that's a great point and we actually talked about that because one of the first things if not the first thing that comes out when you start that conversation is well are the students just going to plagiarize right they're just going to yeah. copy and we're not going to know and so as and and i understand that i understand that uh, that teachers have that uh you know, that they think about that first thing and, and, and that they worry about it. So they do need, and I think it's important to talk about the fact that teachers too, with any tech tool, you absolutely. know, if there's out there that can replace, um, that students can just search for an answer and put it in there, you're not asking the right questions. And I think there is a lot of onus on educators to make sure, you know, the questions you're asking of students, you know, are elevated, you know, that, that require reflection and require them to put themselves into whatever that response is. Because, because Anybody can Google anything and they always have been able to, you know, so we do have to sort of adapt and change what we're doing in instruction as well. Yeah, and we have to talk about it. So, and that's what we said. We said, you know, even though we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, take our students in classroom and get them to open up accounts for all sorts of different reasons. It doesn't mean we can't talk to them about it because just because we're telling them, no, you can't create an account with your school email. Does it mean they're not going to create an account? So they are exactly. going to use it. So the conversations have to be made. And we've already started, you know, uh, preparing different materials for teachers to use in terms of, you know, how do I how do I bring this on the table with the kids? What do I say? How do I talk about it? What do I need to talk about when when it comes to chat bots? So, it's, so the, the conversations with the kids are being had because they are using it. It doesn't matter if we're telling them you can't create an account with your school email. They're still going to use it. And it's important for us to have those conversations, as you said, because it's like any other tool that's come in in the past where it was possible to use it in ways that you shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, it's important for us to teach them that. We can't automatically assume, and that goes for the adults as well. We can't automatic, automatically assume that they're going to know how to use it the right way. You know, you talk about paraphrasing and using it, using it to generate ideas if you're looking to compose a text. So I think it's a great tool to be able to do that, but we need to have the conversations with the kids. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so many ways that they can use it in productive ways that aren't just, you know, spewing out information. They can take their own work and put it into chat GPT and have it analyze it for word use and word choice and, you know, rephrasing things or how can I add a metaphor or a simile, you know, so again, teaching them those accurate and more productive ways of using the tool for sure. And that's why we use the tools, right? Is to make make us more efficient, more. You know, we know that we already our time is stretched. We always we're always short of time in education. <laughs> so if we can leverage any kind of tool that's that enables us to to do our work, you know, especially the stuff that takes a little bit longer, but that, and that's tedious. If it if these tools can help us to get to to that end point a little faster, I think that we need to leverage it now. For the kids um, that are you know, using the chatbots in school and have you, what kind of feedback have you, because I, I imagine you've talked about it. Let's, let's start with your grade six students, right? I'm sure you've had conversation with them about that. So what kind of reaction did you get from the kids? Because, and I'll say it like that, you know, I've talked about it with my kids uh, yeah. and with some students in, in some of the schools, when I do go into the schools and some knew about it, but you know, a lot of them didn't know about Chad GPT. And then when they knew about it, it was, the reaction was similar to mine, but I'm curious from your perspective with the students in your school, you know, what was the reaction to Chad bots or Chad GPT when the kids realized what it was and that it exists? I have, I have a lot of answers to that question because it's been <laughs> Yeah, it's been very interesting is, you know, I was very transparent with my students that I was using it when I was writing the book yeah. um, and they hadn't heard of it at first, you know, and they were like, I said, you know, a robot wrote this, you know, this was written by ChatGPT. I was sharing a, a, a written example with them and they were like, well, what's that? You know, so that there was a curiosity out there. They kind of wanted to know what it was. Those that had already discovered it and had been using it, it was instant guilt. It was really interesting to see okay. Okay. they were using it. And they felt guilty. And it was kind of like, how does she know about this? I thought I had the perfect cheat tool. You know, yes. so that was kind of a funny reaction. Um, and then older students that I work with a lot of pre-service students. I work with a lot of student teachers. Okay. And um, they, I, like if I showed it to them or introduced it to them, their reaction was, it was actually kind of amazing, you know, because pre-service students, there's nobody more stressed out. You know, then someone's at school learning how to be a teacher It is kind of the most stressful time, you know, in your life becoming an educator. And it was almost this kind of sigh of relief. And it wasn't as though they were given a cheap tool, but they were given kind of this. I always refer to it as a, a three legged stool. You know, it's a little bit wobbly, but it's going to support you a little bit <laughs> and, you know, and help you. And I, I always feel like that's the best way to look at it as a three legged stool. You know, they um, my son is a pre-service teacher right now. He's going to school. Okay or nurse science teacher. And, um, you know, I said, you know, this can help you make a rubric. Did you know that? And he's like, what? So he used it, got a rubric, but of course, edit it, modify it, make sure it, it fits what you need. So I think people's reactions are funny. You know, some of them get excited. Some of them who are using it feel a little bit guilty, you know, so, but the students themselves definitely on the side of guilty. <laughs> they yeah. were like, Oh no, she knows about this. Now what am I going to do? <laughs> you thought they had it over on us, but no, exactly, no, 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 no. Yeah. you don't have it. Over. Well, yeah. So, and, and I, I've had, I've noticed or observed, you know, about the same kind of mixed uh, reactions with students as well, but definitely some of them that are saying they figured this out, you know, we <laughs> thought we knew about this and it would stay on the lowdown, but uh, no, yeah. it didn't stay. It did not. It, it was the opposite of that. If I'm not mistaken, Chad GPT, I think is like the fastest growing 
application or whatever you want to call it. That's, you know, since, since, uh, what is it? TikTok, uh, TikTok right? Yeah. So like you said, only six months old, but I don't know, like the millions and millions of people that have downloaded or have, or have created accounts. So there's something there. And uh, as a teacher, Mary, you know, how have you been leveraging, uh, leveraging chat GPT or chat bots? Can you give us a few examples, you know, for the teachers that are listening to us and are looking at understanding and trying to like have a mental image of, you know, how is it that I can use it? Can you give us a few examples? Sure. Um, every day, I have to say I have been using it every single day, not just in teacher life, but for, for many different things. And so I think the rubric is always the hook. A lot of people, rubrics are really hard to write, you know, whether yeah. you're writing a holistic or an analytical rubric or whatever type. Um, and so, you know, very much if I have a project or something that I'm using in the classroom, a rubric is a really wonderful thing that it can do for you. It's a time saver. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, so that's a good example. And this is proposal season for those of us that, you know, go to a lot of ed tech conferences or write a lot of grants. There are a lot of grant applications. So I was working on a grant application yesterday. And many times they ask you questions like, what are your objectives? You know, um, students will be able to kind of statements. And if you put in the prompt and you ask chat GPT to, you know, could you write me a few ideas for objectives for this particular yeah. lesson or for this particular thing? So I used it for a proposal that I was writing uh, the other day for a grant to write me some objective statements. And, um, and then in just in my classroom instruction, <laughs> it's uh, teacher appreciation day next week. Every leader should know that. <laughs> teacher appreciation. You heard it here, guys. <laughs> and, um, and so I was kind of playing around with ChatGPT the other day. And I said, I'm a teacher and I want to feel appreciated. Could you write me a letter? And it wrote me a teacher appreciation letter. I was like, oh, thanks. I feel so special. You know, so those are tiny little examples. But uh, those are just three recent ones that, that I did. I share a lot of those on my TikTok. I have a TikTok where I'm kind of almost every day sharing okay. a new Okay. Yeah, GPT example. So well, yeah. we'll be linking that up as well in the in the show notes, your TikTok account, so that you know people can can connect. I like to get back to the you know the uh, the guilty feeling, right? So we talked yeah. about the students how they got that guilt because oh my god, they know the secret and they know what, what we're using. But there's also a I think a different kind of guilt, um, and it's it's maybe if 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 I'm putting myself in a position of being you know the adult or the teacher or the principal, uh, do you find that if for example, if uh, I want to, if if I want to build a rubric, or if I'm getting a keynote speech ready, for example, in my, you know, in the work that I do, and I ask ChatGPT, you know, to generate ideas and whatnot, and I'm using some of that. So, do you find that some people are feeling like some kind of a form of guilt because they're not ideas that are generated from themselves, but they're generated from ChatGPT? I think for sure, I, I absolutely and and my pre-service teachers that I've been working with too. I think that's, that's sort of like, I give it to them, you know, and there, there's just this little bit like, you know, I, I should be doing this myself, you know, I, but so yeah, there is, there is a guilt. The, the most recent example I can think of is um, one of my students, she, a pre-service student, and she had to write some interview questions and she used chat GPT to help her. I think she did. She felt she's, Shh, don't tell anybody, but it's like, no, that's okay. It's like, oh, that's what the tool is there for you know you're not cheating um you know it's supporting you and i think that's a great point it's and and you you've hit the the, the nail on the head is to realize that that's what the you know exactly what the the tool is there for is to help us yeah. generate ideas and 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 we're not going to have all the ideas and sometimes you know we just need that spark to get us going you know it doesn't mean that you're going to you're going to copy paste like we said a little while ago the whole thing but if we're looking to just generate ideas 
you know, for me, the way I look at it is that, you know, I, I can, I can ask chat GPT to generate some ideas or I can ask a colleague as well. So for me, it's, it's, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm consulting a, a resource and asking it to, you know, generate some ideas in terms of what are the key elements on this theme of my keynote, for example, you know, what should I touch on? What are the most important things? You know, I, I can ask, I can ask my colleagues, but I can also ask chat GPT. So it's just like another source of, of, of information that I have access to. That's the way I see it. And a good yeah. analogy that I keep in my head is, is, you know, here at home, we've got a Roomba robot vacuum. I don't know if you know those, you know, the little I have long one ones. Too. I love it. I love my Roomba. And yeah. it's like, you know, am I feeling guilty? Cause I ain't the one that's cleaning the floors. No, no, Whoa. no, 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 no. So that's how I see it. You know, like the, the chat GPT and, 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 and the, um, the chat bots. Well, that's what it does. It's, it's, it's allowing me to be able to work more efficiently and, you know, sure. Maybe I'm not thinking about all the ideas, but if, I ask it to generate ideas to do some of the work for me. And then there's one that really hits me. And I tell myself, you know what? I, I wouldn't have even thought about that. Well, how would I have felt if I would have asked the same question to a human colleague and that colleague would have given me that idea and I would have had the same reaction? Would I have felt less or more guilty? So that's the way I look at it, right? You know, it's it's the important thing is that I have the idea. And then from there, I built it myself. You know, that, that's how I say and can share that idea. I, I think the analogy that you're using is really, it's an extension of our professional learning communities. You know, it, Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a great way to think of it. And and for me, if I'm sitting at my desk and it's, you know, six o'clock in the morning and I'm preparing a lesson in science for the day, and we're talking about kinetic energy and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I need some examples of things, you know, that have kinetic energy, you know, it's six in the morning and I'm not going to call my colleagues and I'm not going to be able to tweet it out and ask people to for help. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a good spot for chat GPT, you know, give me some things in, in the world that I can use as examples of kinetic energy or that, that demonstrate Newton's third law or those types of things. Yeah, exactly. So it could come in and help us out when, you know, on demand, right? On demand. Yeah, on so demands. when we need it, when it, you know, it could be 10 o'clock at night, hopefully it's not, it could be six o'clock in the morning, but whenever we do need it and we need to generate an idea while well, it's always there, it could be on our cell phone, it could be on our computers. I think um, we've got, we're onto something. It's an on-demand professional learning community. I think we're onto something. <laughs> well, I think so. You know, yeah. I, I think so. I think so. Yeah, just like Twitter, you know, you can jump on Twitter and get a whole bunch of stuff that you need, uh, you know, through hashtags and through different people that we follow, yeah. but GBD is the same thing. So yep. we can just jump on it whenever we need to and ask us some questions, have some conversations and maybe get something positive out of that. Right. Yes, for sure. So for kids, so let's talk about the kids. Uh, personally, I think, uh, you know, the, the chat bots is huge. I think we're going it, to, it's like a, a marking event in time, I yes. think in, in, in the evolution of technology and how, you know, it's going to change the world and it already has like big time. Um, so how do you see it for kids? Because it's important to talk about it with the kids. It's going to, I think it's going to be something that's going to have a big impact on their lives as well. Um, so where do you see that going with the students, Mary? So, you know, is it important for schools, even though if a school decides, because we've seen, I've seen posts all over the place where school districts have, you know, blocked it and banned it and, and whatnot, like it, like a lot of other things, the first reaction, you know, is that. How important is is it is it important at all for schools to be talking about this with kids because of the impact that it can have potentially in their future jobs or just in their in their future in general? 
I think from a digital citizen perspective, I think it's extremely important. Um, I've never been an advocate of a block and ban, block and ban, you know, but it's just as you said, I think it's very important that schools are having these conversations. And if for no other reason other than the privacy concerns, you know, we do not know what they're doing with this data. And I have, my students are 12, you know, they should not be you know, faking their birth dates, logging That's into right. a site like this, sharing their personal information, you know, from again, a digital citizenship perspective. And that has nothing to do with, you know, their learning and, and, you know, they're cheating and anything else. That's just a, a safety aspect of it. Um, we need to know more about what's happening with the data and the privacy concerns before we can move forward with it. Moving forward is going to be important because, as you said, it's revolutionary and it's going to change mm -hmm. everything and it's not going away. So we have to adapt and we have to learn how to teach in our classrooms with the existence of this tool because it's always going to be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if, you know, for the people listening, if we do have some teachers out there that are thinking that maybe they, they'd like to start a conversation with their students, I know that there is a whole bunch of materials already available out there. Um, you know, suggestions on topics of, you know, of what to cover, how to start the conversation, what to say, uh, what information you need. Heck, you can even log into your Chad GPT account yes, and ask Chad GPT. To give you an outline of, of how you can, you know, address that with the kids. So, but, but I agree. I think it's going to have, it's already had a huge impact. Um, I think we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg. Um, it's, it's, yeah, go ahead. We do need to model effective use. And and what really warms my heart are the number of educators that are out there seeing this tool, you know, because my, my PLC is all, you know, ed tech educators. We all yeah. want to, yeah. Yeah. Um, adopt the tool. And there's a lot of teachers out there that are not just looking at it from a selfish perspective, like how can it help me in my life, but how can I teach students effective use? And what can I do in my classroom? And, you know, especially English teachers or English language arts teachers, you know, it's, it's, it serves to be a replacement tool for writing. So we really do need to teach the students what to do with it to support writing in effective ways in, um, you know, ways that are ethical, you know, ways that are not copying the information out of it. So the best approach is going to be adopt, adopt the tool and model the tool for them so that they're not using it to replace their thought, especially and, in writing. And I think it would, it, it's something that can end up making them better at, at what they're using it for. For sure. Um, if I'm, if I'm generating, generating ideas and it's allowing me to be able to have some ideas and then I take that and I make it my own, um, no, the student is doing the work. The student is writing if it's writing that he's doing. So the student is using the tool to to improve and get better at whatever it is that he's doing. So it's not, you know, unless he's he's copying the whole text directly, then that's different. But right. if it's just in terms of generating ideas and being able to get the work done after that, you know, you're doing the work, right? So, and it's helping you out. And I think that we need to leverage any and all technologies that we can and that would allow us to do that. But chatbots, um, I think it's it's revolutionary. I think it's it's going to be a mark in history, like I said. Sure. Um, and we're always going to remember that. And I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. And it's going to make so many, it's going to have an impact on everything, on everything. When I think about doctors, specialists, when I think about engineers, when I think, you know, right on the job, you know, problem solving uh, in crisis uh, situations, you know, in which ways can, you know, these chatbots or, you know, artificial intelligence, if it's leveraged the right way, in which ways can it actually, you know, help us 
um, in, in those different situations. I think that the sky's the limit when it comes to that. Of course, we have to be, we have to do our due diligence, I think as well. Like you said, you know, we talked about privacy issues. We talked about what are we doing with the information? You know, I know a lot of people are, are, are worried about, you know, the robots taking over the world as well. So there's some, <laughs> some people out there like that and uh, that are thinking those things. So, but it's, it's, everybody's got different concern, concerns and like anything else, I think it's our responsibility to make sure that we explore that fully in, in terms of how we want to use it in the context that we want to use it and to make sure to the best of our abilities that, you know, that it's going to do what we want it to do and that it's not going to be any more than what we want it to be, but that it's going to be a tool that's going to have a positive impact on what we're doing and will allow us to evolve as human beings. And I really believe it's going to have a positive impact. You know, the, the title, again, it's artificial intelligence to streamline your teacher life. Teachers are leaving the profession in droves. Why? Because they're overworked. And that whole idea of they need this tool to kind of take away all those onerous tasks that are a part of teaching and to allow them the time to do the things that they want to do to keep the kids engaged in the classroom. So, you know, that's it's that's the reason it's there. And let's hope I, these teachers stop leaving the profession because we need us. <laughs> I think that's a that's a that's a really important point that you brought up. Um, I don't know how it is in New York, but I know here in Ontario, Canada, uh, we've, we have a teacher shortage. I think it's everywhere. Um, you know, the amount of times that, uh, that principals have to go into the classroom because there's no teachers, um, and, and different situations, the amount of times where, you know, uh, teachers working as instructional leaders at this systemic level, uh, it has had to go back and be placed in a classroom because we don't have classroom teachers. It's just, it's unprecedented. I've been in education since since 1997 and uh, I've never seen anything like what we're seeing what we've been seeing in the last three two three years I would say so yeah anything that we can do and get get that into their hands early on when they're in you know we call it teachers college but you know when when they're learning how to become teachers and they're they're in the classrooms and and practicing with uh, mentors you know the, the more tools we can leverage for us to you know, to, to be able to regain some of that time and, and be less tired and less stressed. I think that's what we need to do because you're right. We've got a lot of people that are leaving the profession and they're not coming back. Yeah. And that was my, that is my hope. You know, I think that's the, hopefully that's what this tool can be. At least if one thing it can, it can help with. Absolutely. But I think, you know, what we can, what I can suggest to, to everybody that's listening, if you haven't done so yet, just go go to the website, go to ChatGPT, and if you'd like, you know, create your account and and play with it. You know, ask it a couple of questions, experiment with it, and just see for yourself exactly what it is and what it can do for you. And then from there, you can decide, you know, what it, you know, if it's something that uh, that'd be good for you. But, you know, and and have conversations with people that have used it as well. So, you know, and because a lot of people that haven't used it will also have opinions, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important to also you know, go and get the opinions of the people that have used it and have experimented with it and is able to give like a, some, I don't know if it's credible feedback, credible in the sense that they've used it. So they know a little bit what they're talking about, but, you know, seek out the ones that are using it. And if there's nobody in your building, you know, hop on Twitter, Facebook, there's a whole bunch of educators from JK all the way up to university uh, that that is using it and that you know provide feedback and, and opinions so for you to be able to form that but I think it's good that people go in there and you know you can create a free account if you'd like uh, if you're willing to to create an account and just experiment with it right discover it 
Yeah. The, the best part is the conversations is even when you discover something and you say it to someone else who's using chat GPT, they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. I didn't realize it could do that, but wait, can it do this? You know, and the back and forth you go and the more you play and the more you talk, the more you discover that it can do for you. And it's yeah. really amazing. It's, it's unbelievable. One of the, one of the examples that I hadn't thought of that came out in the conversations with the teachers is, you know, could we leverage chat GPT, for example, if we receive uh, if a teacher receives an angry email from a parent and yep. is looking to respond, you know, how, you know, I'm not sure how to respond. So that is, that's actually a question that you can ask the chatbot, right? You know, how would you respond to a parent that, you know, that said this, this, this in an email and, and I want to be constructive. I want to be solution oriented. Can you generate some ideas, you know, for me to be able, and you start from there, right? So that's just an example of, you know, boom, mind blowing, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of, you know, using it in that kind of context and it can be very helpful. Yeah. You'll, you'll probably appreciate this, this little anecdote back in March, when I was writing the book, I chaperoned a field trip to Montreal. Okay. Uh, so we had a 10 hour bus ride That's and bus I ride, was yeah. writing the book on the bus ride. What else are you going to do on a 10 hour bus ride? <laughs> And my colleagues and, and other teachers that were part of the group um, didn't know what ChatGPT was. And so the French teacher came over and she was asking me what I was doing. And I explained it to her. She says, well, can it do this? Can it write a passage in French and provide me with, you know, these vocabulary words within that passage and interpret it? And I said, I don't know. Let's find out. And of course it did. It did it beautifully. And she was hooked. You know, she was hooked on it from that minute forward because it gave yeah. her something that she didn't have in her teacher life that would help her job. And that is a great example. Uh, and you made me think again with the conversations that we had in our school so far, you know, uh, some of our teachers were saying how they could, they could maybe leverage it with our students with learning uh, difficulties, right? Oh, with yes. IEPs. So, and that's, a, it's a big thing when, if I've got a classroom and I've got, you know, 25 students and within those 25 students, I've got 12 that have IEPs uh, and that I need to differ differentiate, I need to modify that could be heavy, you know, it could be very heavy. So, you know, how can I maybe leverage chat GPT, for example, to be able to, uh, to give me ideas or to be able to compose, you know, different versions or different, yeah, different versions of a text, let's say, so that it, it could be adapted to, you know, different, the different students with their different needs in my, in my classroom. So that's, that's another moment where I said, geez, I hadn't even thought about even doing that when it comes to differentiation and, you know, how can I, uh, be able to to make sure that I'm meeting the needs of of all those different profiles of students in my class, especially the ones that have IEPs and that have learning difficulties, right? Yeah, I have. There is a whole uh, list of ideas in the book on. I I did discuss with a lot of special education teachers this idea from both lenses. You know, yeah. like how can I differentiate materials in class, but also um, how can it support me in IEP writing and performance level um, statements about students. And um, going back to that guilt conversation, you know, yeah. I, I had one special education teacher I was working with, and she wanted to use the tool to assist her in IEP writing. Okay. And she was, but she had a tremendous amount of guilt. And she's like, I, I, IEPs are supposed to be individualized plans. You know, I need to make sure that I am meeting my students' needs and I am familiar with the student needs and, and a robot isn't going to know this. And she called me late at night because she was really, really upset about it. She was like, yeah. I'm using it and I feel guilty and I feel like I shouldn't be doing this. And I said, as long as you are using it, you know, to support your own independent thought and to support what it is that you know about that student and you're saying it's okay, it's it's there to support you. You're not copying and pasting. It's okay. 
relax. It's okay. Um, but it's a great tool for anything related to special education for sure. I love that. Support your own independent thoughts. I think if we just keep that in mind, that phrase in mind that you just said, um, then we'll most likely always be using it in the right way, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, guys, if you're looking to get the book, I don't know, Mary, maybe you can show it for us for the people on YouTube. There it is. Artificial intelligence to streamline your teacher life. The chat GPT guide for educators. Mary Howard is the author. So if you'd like to get a copy of that book, of course, it's available on Amazon. However, we will be uh, providing a link in our internet in our webpage, of course, uh, for Mary. So it's going to be with all the other show notes. So you just need to go on down to inspireleadership.ca in the podcast section. And there will be a page there, a link. You'll just be able to click. It'll take you to Amazon, order the book. It's a great book. There's some great ideas in there, for, you know, from educators, by educators, for educators as well. So, you know, get your hands on a copy. Make sure you you buy the book and, you know, go explore Chad GPT. So, Mary, uh, it's been a great conversation. And um, I've got uh, one last question for you before I let oh, you uh, go on your the, the gloomy weather Saturday in New York okay. and here in North Bay. So, Mary, for the people listening to us today, if you had one wish for them, what would be that wish? One wish. And your your listeners are going to be people that are interested in leadership. Yes. A whole, whole bunch of different kinds of people, but le Lots leadership, education, uh, mostly, I would say yes. yes. Well, under the lens of leadership, uh, the, the best leader that I've worked for and worked under wasn't a leader, was a cheerleader, you know, okay. was somebody that, you know, celebrates the accolades of anybody in the building. And so if I had one wish is that you have a cheerleader in your life because those are the people we need. Life is hard. <laughs> we all work hard, you know, and when you do have success, it's always nice to have somebody there, you know, to, to celebrate that success and not be jealous of you and not be like, Oh sure. They did that. But you know, really truly be just there for you in those moments. Absolutely. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> we all need cheerleaders and you know, it's, it's, it's so important to people that we surround ourselves with. So we want to make sure that, you know, the people around us are the people that are supporting us, people that are pushing us to mm -hmm. go further, but also the people that are celebrating us as well. So I think that's a, that's a great piece of advice, Mary. Thanks for that. Mary, if uh, our listeners would like to get a hold of you, uh, in which way can they go about to do that? Lots of different ways. Um, I, you can email me at yoursmarticles at gmail.com. And I'm on Twitter. It's uh, Mrs. Howard 118, which is my room number. So there's not 118 <laughs> Mrs. Howard. This is my classroom number. <laughs> okay. um, I'm also on TikTok, Mary Howard 118. And it's really there that I share all sorts of chat GPT things. That's a great place to go. I'm not dancing. I'm mm -hmm. sharing chat okay. GPT. Maybe no eventually. <laughs> no, there's no dancing. <laughs> nope, he says no dancing. That's great. No so that's great. Thanks, Mary. We're gonna we're gonna link all that up once again in the show notes. So you know, for people listening, once again, head on down to inspireleadership.ca in the podcast section, and we'll have all those different ways that you can contact and and you know get a hold of some of Mary's content. And I'm sure that if you have any questions, you can reach out to her, and it'll be a pleasure for her to be able to to help you out with that. That'd be great. It was really wonderful talking to you. Thank you. For it was Mary. Thank you so much. Thank you for reaching out. And uh, I'm so happy. Like I said, it was timely and I, I needed this conversation. I needed to have this conversation with you. We're talking about it in our school board. So, you know, I really appreciate you. I appreciate the book that you put out. I appreciate, you know, the support that it's going to, that's giving, you know, different 
educators around the world and the future ones that are going to get their hands on their books. So I really, really appreciate you. And thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi there, it's Joel. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and that you were able to find many useful takeaways. Adding value to others is one of the most important actions a leader can take. So please share this episode with your friends and colleagues and on social media. Let's reach out to as many people as we can. Would you like to connect with me? Just head over to my website at inspireleadership.ca and you'll find all the links for social media as well as my email address. I hope that this episode has sparked new ideas and perspectives and that it will inspire further curiosity and exploration in the days and weeks ahead. Take care of yourself and we'll see you on the next episode.